Welcome everyone to the Business Card Podcast, or for the purpose of keeping things succinct and trying to sound a little cool, we all need the help around here, believe me. It's the Biz Card Podcast. I'm Richard Lamo here with my good buddies, Sean Gaynor and MCB. You'll find out a little bit about us in just a bit, who we are, but this podcast is all about our hobby, the hobby, the collector journey. The idiot known as Richard Lemo trying to figure it out every step of the way with his two buds that are really connected uh, in the hobby and the industry itself. I'm the outsider of the group here. I'm a guy that just likes to get together, have a little fun, talk a little shop. And, and in this case today, shop is the hobby. I'm here with my good pal, Sean Gaynor. Sean, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're all about. Lemo, you are in trouble. Uh, I was just like you about a year ago and uh, just minding my own business and out of the blue Mike MCB sends me a box of it was a it was a blaster box of Allen and Ginter and I ripped the packs and a year later I'm hooked so I hope this show doesn't get you sucked in like it did me I hope it does this is meant to be an education for me it's meant to be an education for the listener out there but most importantly hopefully we can take your common collector and do whatever we can in our power to take you to the next level and that's kind of where Mike comes in Mike Chavez booth MCB as we belovedly call him around the uh, the podcast set Mike tell us a little bit about yourself oh was that like a harpsichord that brought us in did you like that a little synthwave, eighties version. Is that something that you composed yourself, an original? Uh, four hours in the lab on the Casio keyboard. No, it was not me. It was uh, some free YouTube music that we uh, ripped for the podcast. Oh, I've heard of that. The YouTube. Yeah, that's what all the kids are tuning into these days, right? You know it. Um. Yeah, guys. Thanks for joining me. Um, MCB. Um. I've been a collector for many, many years. Um, started in the hobby when I was a kid, kind of bridged that with memorabilia uh, and other unique collectibles, kind of did some trading cards throughout the years. And about three or four years ago, got back into it, uh, heavy, heavy, hardcore, um, and spent a lot of money, a lot of time in this industry and in this hobby and enjoyed it uh, immensely. And uh, it's, it's fun to introduce you know boomerangs or i guess reintroduce boomerangs or, or newbies to the space a la gainer there and uh oh, i'm loving it does that mean he's a boomer like because yeah, he's an he, old he's guy a boomer ang yes. yeah yeah <laughs> yes. yeah perfect okay yeah i'm boomer. hooked man i it, i dream about cards i look at cards all day on the twitter and i'm having a blast it's i'm a year in um again you it's your fault mike that i'm sucked into this hobby I blame world, myself yeah you should uh because you're so generous and kind just sending me a free box of alan and ginter hobby um, twitter is uh something else by the way i'm sure we'll talk about that throughout the show but wow what a world huh yeah i spend i spend a lot of my time i you know i i look through it about an hour a day let's say and uh i you know you find new cards that you didn't even know existed do you have your students uh, uh like uh, curating content for you, creating quips and fancy tweets. Well, we're working on it. Um, I, you know, I let them handle the cards. I, I bring in some comments to the class and, and let them handle and read. We'll There's life a, lessons uh, on the back of those cards. 
right? Math. Right. You History. can turn stats into math. Yeah, look at this. We've History, created a whole math. curriculum. Curriculum class. <laughs> Done. Easy. Yeah. Trading card or, curriculum podcast. Forget this or podcast. Or excuse for me to talk about cards to my class. Uh, we're going to have to bring some of your students on so that we can interview them about what it is that you're teaching them through the hobby. In all seriousness, <laughs> we are going to have people on the it. podcast. Mike, do us a favor. Take us through a little bit about what this journey is going to look like on an episode-to-episode basis. Obviously, you know this thing from top to bottom. Take us through what you've got in mind. Well, I'd like to chat a little bit about the origin of the podcast and kind of the purpose here uh, to, to get us started. So, you know, as I mentioned, I've delved further and further into this hobby the last several years in particular. Uh, I've met a lot of interesting people along the way, you know, folks from different generations, different walks of life, different socioeconomic status and location. Uh, And that's kind of a fun tidbit that we'll talk to at some point. Um, But I noticed that despite the hobby being so close knit, especially on Twitter and some other socials, etc., you know, we're often supportive, playful, and, and even helpful as it pertains to the collecting side. Uh, it felt like something was missing a little bit. And so I recognize that as supportive as we've been within the hobby, you know, I thought about what if the hobby dwindled or just one day disappeared? Uh, could we still maintain that level of support? Would we still be so inclined? And I saw, I started thinking, you know, what other areas do we not really tap into? What other areas are we not really kind of delving into? And I started surveying folks in this space to determine what they did for work. Uh, and the results were really incredible. Uh, I did this on Twitter. I've seen a couple other similar posts as well. So folks, other folks have you know similar interests. And I saw that folks were teachers, a la Gainer. Uh, there was engineers in the space. There were doctors. There were you know, anything from truck drivers to marketers. Um, students. And, yeah, students, exactly. Everything in between. Um, and so I started thinking more about this and I kind of aspired to pull together a mentorship platform where I thought that we could all help each other a little bit more, uh, connect the dots outside of the flips and the trades and the racks. And, um, I'm still working on an official mechanism, but in the interim, I kind of thought that partnering with you two on a podcast would be a great start. So maybe we can use this platform to help the hobby, if even a little on the professional side of things and to connect and to try to elevate each other in different ways, namely professional, but perhaps beyond that. Um, and that's why we're here and hence the, the tongue in cheek biz cards, uh, you know, being the title of the podcast. So I love that quiz limo. What's a rack. You're I'm going to find out all about it. I mean, I could give you a couple (laughs) definitions as to what I think a a rack is with a gun rack. (laughs) Yeah. Let alone a gun. Uh, I think that obviously this is an awesome setup because it's intimidating to get into something new. I, I'm going to always approach this podcast as kind of the layman. I'm learning things as I go along, but I hope to bridge the gap for people that are just like me because it's so intimidating to get into something for the first time. The last thing you want to do is not know what a term is or not know who you're supposed to talk to, or I'm sure that there's a decorum when putting together a trade and you don't want to violate that. Um, and, I think there's also some massive parallels between different types of collecting. You know, I initially thought, okay, it's it's sports cards. I know sports, but it's more than that. It's trading cards. It's game cards. It's comic books. It's video games. And that's something that interests me as well. And so I can't wait to learn more about the hobby in general is so much more than, again, what a layman might think it is on the surface. Yeah, that's a good point, Lemo. 
there's a ton of great people. And if you ask for help on social media, especially Twitter, you'll find the help. But it's also a little bit like golf, where if you walk on someone's line or cross a line that might frust- frustrate somebody, um, you know, you can get yourself uh, going down the wrong path. So um, it's important to, to know how to respect other people in the hobby, uh, as well as have fun and learn. Absolutely. Mike, I'd like to know a little bit more about the, the, the big comment that you made that kind of stood out to me was this mentorship platform. Can you go a little bit further in depth as to where you'd like to see this go? I mean, I'm thinking Gainer and I and you are bringing on different people on the podcast. We want to find out more about them. Can you go into what happens next after the podcast? I mean, I think for the, the platform itself, maybe coming out of this podcast, we can de- develop some kind of you know, actual official mechanism where folks can connect and kind of continue the conversation. But for all intents and purposes and what we're going to be talking, uh, you know, within this cast, I kind of feel like it'd be helpful to bring folks on that have been in the hobby for, you know, a little bit of time, long time. You know, I think we could look at uh, varying levels of collect collecting and and different aspects. As you said, I know you're the video game guy. You got like a thousand video games in your garage. Mm-hmm. It's bananas. Um, but then talk to kind of not only not only how they came along on their collector journey, but also how they came along on their personal and the professional journey. And then kind of tap into the audience and, you know, provide whether it be best practices or tips and tricks or even a point of contact, you know, reach me here, follow me here, let's connect here and try to connect the dots within folks within the community and, and do our best to to bridge those gaps and to to create those networks outside of the the hobby Twitter, outside of, like I said, the card shows, et cetera, uh, and do a little bit more than just that. So, Gainer, I've got a question for you. So I'm going to dox you a little bit here, and I apologize. You're a father, too, happily married. You kind of have the American dream figured out. But as it comes oh, to the hobby, right? does that mean that you've kind of plateaued as far as where you want to be in the hobby? Have you reached the nexus of where you want to be? Or have you identified where you want to continue to go on your journey? Yeah, I don't think I'm close to where I thought I'd be or where I wanted to go. Um, and my journey has changed a lot. So I'm a year in. And when I first started, it was all about opening packs because that that brought me back to when I was a kid, you know, opening a pack, uh, seeing the names that, you know, um, but as I got into it, uh, and the hobby was at its height, I realized, uh, that's an expensive hobby. If, if you're always looking to, to open packs and Twitter was a way for me to, um, go after the cards that I thought were unique and cool and players that had a connection to me. So I then got kind of got away from, opening the packs because, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to meet the value, um, unless you got really lucky, kind of like the lottery. So, um, I've done that, uh, behind me, you can't see it, but, uh, I've put a collection together of all the rookie cards of the 2020 world series champion Dodgers. So I found all the, the tops rookies of those guys. So that was, um, a little journey that I went on that I completed. So it felt good to do that. Um, but then that was done and, it was kind of like the Cubs winning the World Series. Like, now what do we do? Yeah. You know, so you just kind of find find the next thing, and uh, it's it's been fun, and it has not let up, I does, tell you that. Does your sports fandom ever get in the way? Now, obviously, it's helpful because, it, you like you kind of talked about these mini journeys, you're putting together the Dodgers lineup and the rookie cards and all that. 
Does that mean it's difficult to collect San Francisco Giants card, even though that there's one that maybe of of high value or one that maybe means something to you? Is it is your fandom in the way sometimes? A little bit. Uh, I'm definitely not collecting any Astros cards anytime soon. <laughs> you can be can be sure of that. Um, but so I've got a couple Mike Yastrzemski cards. Okay, uh, I, I like that. The there's some history there with with his family and baseball. Um, and I think he's, you know, a good young player. So sort of, yes, the, for sure it gets in the way a little bit, but, um, it, it doesn't stop me completely. Mike, was there a moment where you kind of realized that you had gotten into the next echelon of collector where you you either looked at your collection and thought, Whoa, I've got a lot here. Or you realize I'm investing X amount of time. And now this is more than just something that is surface level uh, of importance to me. Can you take us through if there was a marquee moment there? I mean, I don't, I don't think from, um, I guess from an optic standpoint, like I, I never really, I really had a moment like that. I will, I will share a scary moment where I got a little uh, over-indexed in collecting and looked at my bank account and was like, oh, now I got to go talk to my wife and tell her what's going on. Yep, sure. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> uh, and then I had that conversation. I said, don't worry, it's coming back to us. The market is hot. I have a plan. And thank God my plan, it actually uh, it, it came to fruition because otherwise I would have been sweating. Um, but uh, but <laughs> once once I kind of got over that hump, I, I was a little bit more litigious in my spending and my approach um, and just kind of looked at it like I think Gainer's kind of suggesting, you know, on a case by case basis, if there's something that I really wanted to pursue, I would go after it as opposed to just kind of spray and spray and pray approach with mm-hmm. everything and just picking up everything that kind of crossed my eye. It either have to be, um, you know, a player I'm a real big fan of or a piece that was just really intriguing or yeah, selfishly in this piece of it, uh, we are in a, you know, in a, in an open market, um, buying something that I know would flip at a higher rate in the next several months. And I've been able right. to do that still, uh, as well. Yeah. So. I, I, I feel for a lot of the younger kids getting into the hobby because it is so expensive. And if you're not financially stable, um, or at least educated around your finances, uh, you could get in trouble easily. You so, get out of hand fast, um, huh? Yes. Yeah. It's an addiction, right? Like there's, uh, it's, it's, easily it's easy to get addicted to this hobby now one thing that i'm noticing on kind of both of your timelines as you kind of catalog how you've grown as collectors the one word everybody hates to say nowadays is covid but it really seems like uh in analyzing the times that you guys are giving me that covid is when either you're seeing the market blow up or you're seeing the time that you can dedicate to the hobby blow up the questions for both of you gainer you go first Tell us how COVID kind of changed everything for you as a collector. Yeah, I, I a year ago, I didn't care at all about the old baseball cards that I had sitting in my garage. And COVID came around and I saw Mike on Twitter posting all these awesome ultra modern cards that I didn't even know existed. So, you know, I was digging around and with all the free time looking through my cards and feeling that nostalgia and um, it, it got me back into it because, Hey, what else is there to do? Everything's closed. There's, you know, parks are closed. Can't take my kids anywhere. So sitting at home, why not keep yourself busy? And it's blossomed from there. So 
Mike, how about uh, you? That definitely, yeah, it brought me in. How about you, Mike? I think just paying attention to the market, uh, seeing the growth there. The demand was obviously really high because of FOMO. Um, and I also think that the last several years, you know, several of the the manufacturers, uh, the brands behind the space, they've been really kind of trying to kick it up a notch and provide product that's unique and different. Uh, and there's been some kitschy stuff in there, you know, some stuff that's a little over the top or cartoonish, but there's been some other real gems uh, and collections and pieces that have been really impressive. Um, and so I think that not just for myself, but you know, hobbyists kind of all around the world, they've noticed this influx and you know how it goes, man. Uh, word of mouth is, is a powerful tool. And, and I mean, look at Gainer and that wasn't just because, you know, he saw some guy, it was because he saw a friend who was enjoying himself in the hobby. And I think that kind of rippled a lot, um, you know, you know, pretty extensively. Sure. And I think it's twofold. I think it's, Thanks you know, a lot, the, Mike. <laughs> it's the it's the enjoyment and the excitement behind it um but then similarly i do feel like there was a, a hot market and folks noticed that and so they they tried to kind of you know test their hand at, at making a little bit of cash and some 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 did it well and some are especially educated in in how these things work and some you know still did well but then There's probably no waned waned the last uh, couple months because the, the market has cooled a little bit so I was going to ask, but I mean, yes. how, how long could this sustain? Right. I mean, obviously anything, usually whatever goes up must come down at some point, but what's the sustainability here? Well, I thought it would come to a crashing halt as soon as, you know, things opened up more, there was more to do. Um, well, I, I definitely think it did level itself a little bit. Um, of course, any market, if it's going up, it can't continue to just keep going up that has to go up and down uh gradually so um we've definitely seen a flux but uh, i thought by now it would be way lower as a market than it is but i think it's just as popular as it, as it was when i started during covid mike will be i think there will be uh some semblance of sustainability namely because a lot of folks have invested so much time uh, money and energy into the space. So, you know, they're not going to give it up. Uh, and then the, again, there's been this kinship and this sense of camaraderie across different fa different phases that I think will kind of sustain and continue. And then you have the generational. I mean, you know, I think when we were kids, you know, we kind of turned to cards because uh, there was a little bit of a bubble then. Uh, that's when you call, you know, uh, like garbage wax. And there's a, a lot of, in the early 90s, there's a, a lot of mass production. But it was like a second win, I think, for our folks, you know, for my dad and and for some of my uncles and older cousins and that kind of thing. It was like, oh, shoot, cards are back. Um, and I think we're kind of dealing with that now where we're seeing, you know, folks our age who have their own kids and they're introducing their kids now to the space. And so, you know, everything that's that's good kind of comes back in some form. And, and we're seeing some of that right now. Well, I think one thing that well, yeah. speaks to the sustainability is. I vividly remember that second wave that you're describing that kind of got our parents excited about collecting again. And I equally remember the trading card shops closing down five, 10, 15 years later and kind of 100%. seeing that yeah. end. However, the big difference nowadays are, are there card shops? Absolutely. And do we still see them and have they had a bit of a renaissance? Of course. 
But look at what Gainer's talking about. But but a lot of these deals are going on online. That was a benefit that simply Mm -hmm. wasn't around when that second wave started to collapse, so to speak. And so I think that this may be around a lot longer this time around because that online marketplace kind of changes the whole game. Yeah, I mean, it's the comparison. It's it's tough to do because when I was eight years old and uh, collecting 80s baseball cards, which all looked the same, um, very dull, boring photography, no flair. Uh, the, the most exciting thing was waiting for the first of the month so my Beckett could come yep. and I'd see if my Barry Bonds rookie card went up five cents, right? <laughs> that was That was the highlight of the month. And now uh, I can make a trade with someone across the country uh, through Twitter or social media. Uh, so I think it's easily sustainable, um, at least compared to where we were. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the junk wax era, I think that one of the differentiators, too, is um, you kind of had to collect and trade within your circle. So, like, that value... Yeah, the stack. Yeah, I mean, similar to what you said, Lemo, in terms of the sustainability, the value in those moments kind of, they kind of maintain, I think, a little bit longer than we're seeing like mm-hmm. flash in the pan type moments with some of these players who are hot or they're voted something or they win or whatever. And all of a sudden their value skyrockets. And then like within a matter of days, it's gone, right? Back then, we didn't have that same like instantaneous uh, recession or uh, deflation with something because... Because, well, because it took so long to recognize, oh, that player hasn't been playing that well. Uh, maybe I should, you know, quickly sell it. Uh, wherein today you see the market immediately start to kind of like, you know, go down. And so everyone reacts the same way. Do you know what I'm, do you know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. I also think that, I mean, Gaynor talked about waiting for the Beckett in the mail. I can remember we'd go to the card shop and go read the Beckett there. You had this centralized bit of information that kind of controlled value, so to speak. And I'm sure that they had a pool of information that they used to calculate values, but it was still all coming through one kind of voice. Now you're on this mass marketplace and it's kind of the wild, wild west. It's whatever that person that you met from whoever knows where, whatever you're willing to pay for that, you can make that happen instantaneously. And yeah. again, that's different. I mean, you can find, yeah, no com- you can find comps super quickly yeah. across all kinds of different uh, platforms, you know, within a matter of seconds, to well, be honest with and you. And trading was tough back in the day. I mean, Gainer, you talked about it at the cul-de-sac. I remember we used to try and sell back store. to the shop. But that's a that's a losing battle every single time, too, because that guy behind the counter knows way more than you're ever going to know. And it's just it's an uphill battle and you're just going to lose, I'd imagine, in the long run. Yeah, so I agree. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask, Mike, I've seen your collection before. Your PC is is pretty gnarly Uh, and I've only seen a small portion of it. But a couple of things that have stood out to me are your autos. Obviously, I know some of them are procured how we've been talked about how we've been talking about them through the online marketplace and things like that. But I also you know, know like that you're Fred Jackson autograph, uh, <laughs> autograph football card. Well, one thing that I know about you, Michael, is you'll go out there and get autos yourself. Do you have a particular story of the hardest get or the best story of how you've gotten uh, a, a particular autograph? I know no, I put you on the spot there. No, that's a great question. Um, I will I will share a fun anecdote that just happened to me recently. Um, you know, we'll talk about kind of my career and what I do at some point. But 
I've been working really closely with uh, Ariel Powers, who's a WNBA small forward uh, forward guard for the Minnesota Lynx. And we've become friends, and I sent her a handful of cards to sign for me and send back, and I was going to get them end capped, you know, slabbed, and uh, maybe give a few away for gifts, keep a few. Um, and she sent me my care package back, but she sent it to my old address. Uh, I recently moved like three months ago. And it's gone. So someone has like a shirt and a jersey and like a handful of signed Ariel Powers cards. I don't really know what they're no. going to do with them. I think the I'll guy, who moved, the guy who moved in uh, to my old apartment, he didn't seem like he would be an Ariel Powers type kind of fan. <laughs> um, I mean, granted, she's she's amazing. So I I wouldn't be surprised if he was, but it just didn't seem that way. Um, so well, go she, knock on his door. And see if you can <laughs> I had to. I'm on my way. Follow up with AP and be like, hey, so what address did you send this to? Because it's been two months since she, she told me. And I was like, oh, man, that's the that's the wrong place. So now she's going to send me a whole nother kit uh, that I have to wait for a while, while on. But, yeah, that, that's kind of a fun one. Um, but, yeah, I do prefer the in-person autos on cards and then going to get them graded um, by PSA, you know, typically. I don't really grade the cards themselves when I do that. I grade the auto. And every once in a while, I don't even grade the auto. It's just a matter of certifying it and slabbing it just to protect the integrity of the card. And a lot of those are from folks I know in the industry or friends or, you know, folks I've met out at events and stuff like that, that I've been, you know, sneakily toting a card or two in my back pocket with a Sharpie kind of thing. Well, that's something that I look forward to finding a little bit more about as the episodes start to stack up Abyss cards is I want to talk to people. I want to find about why they got in the the hobby, but I also want to find out what is grading a card all about. Do you choose to get your cards graded? Is that important to you? Uh, If you're not going to sell a card, do you care if it's a a PSA 9 or whatever? Uh, And so those are all things that I cannot wait to hear and find out more about as we help people through their journey. Gainer, before we go... What's the most favorite piece in your entire collection right now? Wow, that's really on the spot right there, Lemo. Um, I, I've got to go Kershaw rookie card. Tops okay. rookie paper. It's ungraded to answer your question. But uh, yeah, he's one of my faves. Mike, what do you want our listeners to take away from this episode here as we close shop for the day? I think, uh, you know, just just stick with us. We've got a lot to come. Uh, we're working on some great guests for the next several episodes. Uh, and I think you're going to be really surprised and impressed with the variety of the folks that we bring in and, and learning more about them, their journeys, their professional journeys and backgrounds and kind of what they have not only to offer to the space and the hobby, but, you know, kind of the, the greater professional world as well. So. I love it. Excited to be with you guys. The goals in episode a week. You can find us on Spotify, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. You'll likely be able to find us. Just search for Biz Cards Podcast. For my good pals, MCB, for Gainer, I'm Richard Lamo. Thanks for listening to Biz Cards. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. <laughs>